If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fifth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please click that subscribe button. Follow us for authentic and encouraging Christian content. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Or check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. You'll find blogs, sermons, study guides, podcast links, and lots of free stuff. We hope that you enjoy today's broadcast. You know, I'm heavily involved with Lads to Leaders, and I believe that... Uh, in fact, I've said for years, I wish we had a secondary program that was called L4L, which means Leaders for Life, because when we train our young men and women uh, for the areas of leadership where they're supposed to be, um, we need to make sure that they're still committed to the cause. We need to make sure that they're still willing to use those talents. Uh, whenever you, especially for our young boys, if they're leading songs or doing sermons or teaching classes, we want that to continue into adulthood. Um, I've met many men before that are apprehensive about leadership, and through Lads to Leaders and Titus Camp, I have learned you train them when they're young. I've been to a Titus Camp for 20 years. This will be our 20th year. We have trained hundreds of kids and sent them back to various congregations and other countries, and so I believe in it, and one of the reasons why I'm heavily involved in those two things is because I hear from men sometimes that I can't lead because I wasn't ever taught how to lead. I feel uncomfortable doing it. And maybe that's because at a young age you had a plethora of men in your congregation that could do it and you weren't called upon. Or it could be that maybe you weren't encouraged. Uh, at the congregation where I grew up, I love the brethren there. I love them. We go back and see them when we're, when we're there. Um, I love the church. But our elders at some point made a decision. They did not want teenagers in the microphone. They wouldn't allow it. So we couldn't lead singing, we couldn't do sermons, we couldn't read scripture. That was designated to the men of the church. Now, I could go into the men's business meeting as a baptized believer and vote on salaries for the preacher, but I could not get into the microphone and talk. And that one of the reasons why I got into preaching later is I went to another church and they said, hey, you want to preach Sunday night? I was like, are you kidding me? Preach? I haven't preached before in the pulpit. They said, well, you are next Sunday night. I was like, all right. So, um, so we need to encourage our young men, and even if you have reached an age where you feel like, you know, I was, wasn't trained to do it, uh, to lead, whether it be prayer or on communion, any of that, you can start slow. You know, we're not, we promise if you volunteer to serve in some capacity, we're not going to put you straight up in front of the microphone. But all of us as men need to step up. We should all be working and serving in some area of ministry. Our goal through this, this series is that you find your place. Everybody has a place, and there's a place for everyone. So what can you do to build up the church? What can you do to help? It may not, you may not, uh, not want to preach, and you may not want to lead singing, but there's something you can do to lead. There's some kind of a ministry you can be involved with, whether it be uh, ushers and greeters to security. All of those are leadership roles, and uh, we encourage you, really encourage you to think about what you can do to lead. And, and all of us, we're going to talk a little bit about elders tonight, 
all these roles. We'll define them as we go. But uh, if we're looking at leadership in the Lord's church, and we say, I want to give my best to God, right? I want to give my very best. What does my best look like? Well, if I'm looking at uh, the elder's role in 1 Timothy 3, it seems to me that, that I should try my very best to meet those qualities, even if, even if I maybe don't make all of the qualities. I'm not, I'm not specified for a role of a shepherd. I think we should be looking at those lists at a very young age and saying, what can I do to fulfill these qualities in my life? This is what God's looking for in a leader. These are the qualities that he's looking for. So if I run across the list and I say, well, you know, it says not to, you know, not to be a, a brawler or not to be puffed up, or if it says, uh, you know, to be wise with my money or to not drink alcohol, all those things that are read through the list, I need to be looking at it younger in my life and say, these are things, if I want to serve God with my, the best of my ability, this is the list I have to shoot for. These are the qualities. Uh, if you've ever taken classes before in college and they give you a syllabus, and on the syllabus they list all of the prerequisites, all of the objectives. This is the objective if you want to be a leader in the church. These are qualities that you need to look for. And so we'll try to see how we can possess those even if we're not in that particular role. I'll also say this, when it comes to these specific roles in leadership, some people say, you know, I'll do the job, I'll lead but I don't want to have the title. You ever heard that before? Maybe you feel that way. You say, well, you know, um, I really want to help. I want to serve, but I don't need a title to go along with it. Well, in our life, if you've been a father, nobody walked up to you and said, congratulations, you're a father. Here's a diploma. Here's an award for fatherhood, right? When did, when did you know that you were a father, right? When you found out you were having a baby, right? You have nine months to think about it. <laughs> then the baby comes along, and you don't go, well, I don't really want the title. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not desiring the title of fatherhood. It's too late, right? When we become a part of the Lord's church, he gives us talents. And as he gives us those God-given talents, he expects for us to use them. So whether or not you have a title or not, you should serve. You know, you should be willing to work. The title fits the man. The person who is called and is assigned, as we say assigned, or appointed as an elder is because they're already fulfilling the qualities. They already look like, I don't, we shouldn't have to tell you what does a shepherd look like, but we do. We give you the definitions, we give you the words, and you should be able to know. There are men who serve in every congregation that can fill these roles, every single one. And we need to look in our own life and say, am I reaching that? Am I attaining that? Am I trying to fulfill that? But ultimately, within our congregation, we have everything we need. We have everything we need. We don't need, we do not. If, if I were to pass away tomorrow, we have men that would preach. I can almost guarantee you that if, if Billy and I were out of town, and, and let's say Steve and Jason and Ben and James are all out of town. We're all out of town. Who's going to preach? Somebody preach. I'll bet you if I called Casey, now he's going to be a little apprehensive, and I said, hey, Casey, I, I, we are all gone. We need, you to, we need you to preach. We need you to teach. Would you be willing to do it? He'd be tense. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be, but he would do it, okay? Same thing with song leading. 
You know, there are some of our men here that do a great job leading singing, but I know that within our congregation, God has placed enough men that could do that job if we lost our top five song leaders. There are men in the church that have the talent to do it. There are men who could lead on the table. And I'm telling you, it's slim pickings sometimes on Sunday morning. I watched Tyler. Tyler came up to me today. He said, hey, by the way, you got the sermon, you know, because <laughs> he was going around telling everybody what they had. Sometimes it's hard because he's trying to see who could help with the table because so many men are assigned and they don't always show up. And so every man ought to be thinking, what can I do? How can I serve? And we'll talk about the assigned roles later. Just find your place. And when you find your place, God will bless you with the courage and the boldness to keep doing it. Um, and so I think, too, you should test the waters. If you're not sure that you have the talent to do it, try it. Try doing it. You say, well, I don't know, Ray. I can't preach. Well, could you read scripture? I'll make sure that it's a day we only have two verses. Could you get up in the microphone and read two verses? Um, when it comes to song leading, you, you don't have to be the Sunday morning guy. You could just sing one song like James did tonight on a Sunday night. One song, two verses. Well, you have the invitation, so two songs, two verses. Could you do that? So there are ways that we can work into those roles. Um, so let's talk about the specific roles of leaders in the church and what we know about it. So let's talk about uh, shepherds first. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I remind you again that Paul established elders in every city. This means that every congregation should have elders or should be striving for elders. I've been a part of many congregations, small churches. Hey, what do we do? They operate by the men's business mentality. I was in Idaho for two years at a church that had no elders. I made a commitment after that I would never work again for a congregation without elders because it was so hard. It was hard because we had a lot of men who led who had, would only show up for the men's business meetings uh, one Sunday night a month. They would not show up on a Sunday morning. They'd show up on Sunday night so that they could vote. Um, and then also uh, we struggled with the fact that it's working this way so why would we add men as in an eldership? It's working, let's not change it. And I kept saying to them, we should be striving. Like we should be, if we have no elders, we should be talking about it at least once a month. We should be constantly focused on, we need men to step out in front. Uh, and so I, I strongly believe that even in congregations where there are no elders, God is placing within that congregation men who can lead. They may not meet all the qualities here, they should be striving for those qualities, but there are men who will lead. They'll step up into the front. We pray and hope that they are spiritual men, men of integrity. But um, ultimately, every congregation should say, what can we do to get to be a New Testament church? We, that means we got to be led the way they were led, right? So let's start with just looking through this list. And I know there are other lists. There's, you got uh, Titus chapter 1. You've got 1 Peter 5, there's a few given there, but just to focus on this alone, and we'll deal with this a whole lot more heavily as we go through the next few, few weeks. It says, this is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man doesn't know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? 
Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Uh, we'll talk about the wives here in a minute when it, it focuses on that in the, in the deacon's roles. But this is what Paul says you need to set up. It's kind of a litmus test, if you will. This is the list of qualities. And when you're looking for a man to lead... This is what you're looking for. And if you are a Christian man, this is the list of qualities you need to try to attain. So here's what I want to encourage you to do tonight. I want you to look at this list more than just we read through it tonight. I want you to look at this list and say, where are some areas where I need to improve? Which of these things is something that I am not doing well? And focus on how you can improve in that category you know, let's say that uh, you're, you're, you're having trouble with covetousness. What can I do to get over covetousness? What can I do to stop looking at things like I have to have it, you know, that I'm, I'm going to get it? How can I be more um, godly-minded instead of worldly-minded? Um, <clears throat> maybe you say blameless. You know, I, we had a congregation. We had a man whose name was put up as an elder, super guy. Uh, he's an elder now at the church, but at the time, we had some people come forward with a note saying we, don't, we oppose him as an elder because uh, he had had a business fail. And they felt like because his business failed and it hurt people in the community that he could not serve as a shepherd of that church. Um, I let the elders make that decision. They withdrew his name because they said there are some people here that were hurt by um, some things that happened with his business and, and bankruptcy. And um, he withdrew, or they withdrew his name. And a few years later... After that all was behind him and he had proved himself to the congregation, he was a good leader, they put him in as a shepherd of the church. But if you are a person who uh, is blame, has uh, blame associated to them or that people say things about you on the outside of the church, that can hinder your role in the community. So it's one of the reasons why. So if that's something you need to work on, work on that. Um, being sober-minded, uh, having good behavior, you know, are you on... Are you on the naughty list? You know, do you do things that you're supposed to do? And, of course, there's the getting to the wine part in verse 3. Those are things if you want to serve as a shepherd of the church that cannot be something that, that you have, um, you know, an issue with. Not violent, uh, being gentle. If you're a person who is aggressive, you need to work on that. That's something you can kind of list and say, I'm going to work on that in 2024. Um, let me give you just a moment here and ask you, what are some of the qualities you see that should be paramount in a leader of the church? Does any of these qualities really jump out at you? Or you want to dive into, ask what, what does it look like? Anybody? Yes. Has to take care of his own house, has to have his children in submission, which means that they respect him, they honor his authority. It also means, I believe, that they, they come to church. If, you, if they are in your house, they come to church with you. Uh, you cannot have someone leading. I've seen this happen in congregations, and it is sad, because oftentimes men in leadership, uh, it's not that they're bad dads, it's not that they're bad husbands, but sometimes when you are in this role, it is very hard for your family to see you in that role because you, you, you have the appearance, you're trying to do your best to lead God's people, but your wife knows that sometimes you get, you know, angry at the kids 
Or sometimes you, you struggle with, um, you know, just having good communication. Uh, and we all know that, you know, we, have, we all have dirty clothes. You know, we all have uh, our habits and things, and our family sees us in that role, and so it's very hard sometimes. So sometimes when a man is put into a position of an elder, it may be that his children are not a big fan of it, right? That does not necessarily disqualify him. But if they're in his house and those children are not coming to church, they do not respect him, they do not respect his authority, Paul says it's very hard for the church to respect a man if his family doesn't, if his wife isn't behind him, if his children isn't behind him. Uh, there has to be an admonition there that our, our families are encouraged by us. We are great spiritual leaders, and there are some great men of God I have served with in, in ministry that from the moment their name came up, I thought, yeah, if I'm looking for an elder, that is a guy. That is a guy who's spiritually leading his home. Um, so having your children in submission, making sure you're teaching and training them in the way they should go. Uh, this question often comes up is, as long as the children are in their home, this is about submission in the home, t- ruling your own house well. Once they're outside of your house, it's a totally different ballgame. Um, now, if you have a, an elder who has five or six children, and not a one of them is a member of the church, that's a red flag. That ought to be a red flag. But we do know, and some of us have this issue with our adult children. You know, we have four of our five, our adult children, and so... If they don't go to church, if they don't uh, read their Bible and pray and live a good godly life, how much of that is a reflection on their upbringing and how much is it a reflection of what they've chosen? We as parents can only do so much. So you do the very best that you can do. You try your very hardest. The Bible says, Proverbs 22.6, train them up in the way they should go. So we try our very best to raise them right. But occasionally one, sometimes a couple, may fall that doesn't mean that they're fallen forever. It just means that maybe they aren't faithful at that moment. And so I think a lot has to be said about them if they are outside of your home. If they, if they are still in your home and they're not faithful, that's a problem. That's a major problem. But once they get out of the house, um, it depends, too, on how many men you have, right? If we, had, if we had 25 men that were qualified to be elders, we could, we could be selective. I mean, extremely selective. Um, but if you have a, a, a man and let's say you have a child or a couple children that were in your house and now they have gone the way of the world, they went to college, they chose a different lifestyle, um, how much of that is a reflection on you? Well, let's ask what the law would do, okay? If your child gets pulled over for reckless endangerment and speeding or even a DUI on the highway at uh, 22 years old, are they going to arrest you? Hello? Are they going to arrest you? Are, you? are you going to have to go to the court and face the judge for what your son did? No, that is between them and the judge. It's the same way with God. Once those children are outside of your house, they are responsible to God themselves for their own behavior and their own misdeeds. We can do our very best, train them up. I've seen a lot of young men and young women who after their parents pass or if uh, they get a, a hit rock bottom, they will come back to what they have been taught. And all we can do as parents is, is do our very best to have them in a good relationship with God when they get out. And can I have an amen? Make sure they marry good, solid Christian people. They've got to have a good wife or a good husband for the woman that really walks with God. 
And going back to the alcohol thing, you have to, again, think about your role as a shepherd of the church. And I know that our culture is different from other cultures. I completely embrace that. I understand that there are some cultures that when they have their dinner, they may only have wine, or they may have issues with their water system in some foreign country. But we live in a very, very good country. We have plenty of things to drink. We have plenty of things to serve, guests in our home. But there is a danger, if you are a shepherd of the church, to have, and you should be hospitable, right? What's hospitable mean? You invite people over, right? So if you're a shepherd of the church, and you invite people over to your home, and there is alcohol in your home, and the Bible says you're not to be given to wine, then what does that say to the congregation? Is, is, are you saying to them, let's say, you, let's say I invite somebody over to, if you're a shepherd of the church, you invite somebody over to your house for dinner, and they're recovering from alcoholism. And they look in your refrigerator and on your wine rack and everywhere else, and they see alcohol. Well, what are they going to think? Well, if it's okay for the leader of the church, then it's okay for me. So we have to be very careful with our... Um, our persona, our image with other people. And that's why I believe that's one of the main reasons why. I mean, they drank they drank wine in the culture, this culture. They drank it. They drank both fermented and unfermented wine. So Paul's saying if you're going to lead the church, you cannot, you cannot have that as a crutch. It, it is a negative thing for you, for your own health, and ultimately for the whole church. Because it tells everybody that it's okay. I'm not into evangelistic dating. I don't believe you should date somebody in the hopes that one day they'll become a Christian. For the same reason, when we take a family photo, I don't grab a neighbor, you know, some neighbor girl across the street, because I'm hoping maybe one day she'll date one of my boys. You know, it's a family reunion. If the family picture is the family. And if they're outside of the family of God, they do not have the same integrity and morals that you do, even though they may be a good person and they have good manners. If they have not been raised uh, in the church, specifically, I'm just going to say, in the church, I'm talking about those that are in religious groups. I'm not talking about people of, quote, Christendom from another uh, religious group or a denomination. I'm talking about within the Lord's church. If you don't encourage them to date because they're going to marry somebody they date within the church, it can be a problem, a major problem, like you said. And I know that the pool is very small, very, very small. Just be glad you don't live in the Old Testament times when they had to marry within their own tribe. I mean, that was awkward. Um, but we do have, that's why I think our kids should go to church camp. That's why I think our kids should go to area-wides with the other youth groups. I believe we should send our kids to Christian schools. Um, I believe that we should make sure that when they're doing stuff with friends, we had a rule, um, you know, we didn't want anybody to stay, our kids to stay overnight with somebody who wasn't a member of the church, because we don't know, and even in those environments, sometimes you, you don't really know what's going to happen, but we wanted to know at least that there was some accountability, we didn't just let people stay, you know, wherever. Um, but those are definitely things to take into, take into consideration. So let's talk about the deacons for just a moment. Keep reading with me here, and we'll see in verse 8. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Uh, their wives, likewise, let them be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their, house, their, ruling their children and their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness to the faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
So uh, Paul says there's this secondary role. And uh, trust me, we're going to cover this a lot in this, in this series. So we're kind of hurrying through tonight. But when he talks about men that are going to serve in the role of a deacon, the word uh, diakonos, the word deacon, means servant. Uh, and it's very, very similar to the word that we use for minister. Um, so they're supposed to be a, in ministry in a role of service. Every one of us have talents. We should be involved in some service ministry. It doesn't mean that all of us are preachers or teachers or whatever the case may be. But whatever our talent is, it needs to be plugged in uh, to a ministry. Uh, and when he gives these qualities, they sound similar, but there is one little section here where it says they must be tested. You see that in verse 10? Must be tested. So underneath your pew, you will find a 100-page quiz that I want you to fill out and bring back next week, and we'll see if you can be a deacon, right? No, that's not what it is. To be tested means that you are already doing the work. Um, I'm a big believer in when, you, when we appoint deacons is we don't go, you know, uh, you know let's say I'm going to use Chase as an example. He chases, he, he, he ends up, he gets married, he's a very faithful man, he's got good kids, and we go to him and we say, hey, Chase, we want you to be the deacon of transportation. And Ch well, I say we just want to make him a deacon. We're just going to make you a deacon. I said, well, what's my job? We're putting you over transportation. And he says, I don't know anything about cars. Well, that's the ministry we got, and so we need you to serve. Would that be a fair thing to do to someone? No. So what we would do is if we're looking for somebody to run the transportation ministry, we find someone in the area of transportation. Does that make sense? Like, if you have somebody that's going to lead the education ministry, you don't grab somebody that has no knowledge of the educational system. If we need somebody to lead in the ministry of benevolence, we don't want somebody that does not serve and is hospitable. We want somebody that's constantly giving and sharing. We want somebody that is going to be able to open their home as much as they're going to open the Samaritan house. Is that what we call it, Samaritan house? I think it's what it says on the front. So we, we, we do that, and Wayne does a fantastic job with that. People come, and I know that he helps people out of his own pocket. Um, so we need people that will serve in something that they're passionate about. We don't just grab men and say, you're a deacon, now let's see what we can find you to do. Um, you should have something, you're tested already. They say, he's already doing the work. Let's, let's give, and you say, well, I don't want the title. Well, you, I understand that too, because sometimes with a title, it makes us feel entitled, okay? But the reason why there is a title given is because people need to know who to call on. And when something is needed for that ministry, let's say it's youth ministry, and if we have a deacon over youth or a deacon over children's ministry, when something comes up in that area, we don't have to call an elder or a minister and say, hey, who's over such and such? We ought to know who's in charge of those areas. The problem is right now is we have three deacons and we have about 50 ministries. So we need to be looking at the list of things that we're doing and see if we can help in that area. We'll talk about the role of a deacon later. Right now, we need these roles filled. And if you would help in that area, that would be fantastic. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that in, in the coming weeks. But there are areas in which we can serve. You can run people off. We had a couple one time at a church that they came in. She was the daughter of a preacher, very active, wanted to be involved. And our youth minister said, uh, you know, they hadn't been there, but just maybe a couple months. I said, how'd you like to host a youth devotional? Yeah, we would love to be over that. That'd be great. We can help organize other members and blah, blah, blah. Well, as we got closer to the date, they said, 
we, we, we are not ready to do it. Our, our house isn't ready to do it. So we put it off another couple weeks. And then he just kept annoying them, kept calling them, saying, hey, you ready yet? Hey, you ready yet? Heard you wanted to serve. Are you ready yet? And they left the church because they felt pressured to do it, even though they volunteered to do it. Um, so sometimes people will volunteer because they know the job needs to be done, but they're not really passionate about it. Some of us have had jobs like that, where we needed a job, and we needed the money to support our family, but we did not like what we did. I've been in jobs like that before, where I was just waiting until I could move to something else. You know, I was ready, thinking, oh man, when is this ever going to end? So you don't want to get into something that you're not ready to do, do all of the work for it. Does that make sense? What else you think of in this role and these qualities? That's right. And I think there's, that's the reason why Paul interrupts his qualities there of deacons and inserts the roles of the wives. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. So men, your wife can either qualify you or unqualify you. Um, and I'm not saying that we, we sit down with them and go, hey, I want to be an elder, so you need to do such and such. But if we look at this list... And, and, and there is a, a, a wife of a man, he could be as gray, he could be gold. But if she's guilty of one of these things, the worst thing we can do is give her more power. And so when you get to a congregation, and this is another thing too for the, for the men who serve uh, in these ministries, especially for elders and preachers, uh, it's a tough job. And you, you hold a lot of information. And I say this frequently about our eldership. I've said it every church I've ever been at. You don't know all the things that they have to deal with. I'm talking about individuals that come for prayer that are dealing with sin. You don't know about it. You don't need to know about it. Um, people that are struggling financially, you don't know about it. You don't need to know about it. Over and over, there are things that are brought to the table that they have to process and pray for and help for. And it's one of the reasons why there's a lot of turnover sometimes with elderships. Men will come in and serve for a few years, and it is so uh, draining emotionally because, and I've said this as a preacher, this is something that I wrestle with a lot, is you will pour all of your energy and you will exhaust yourself doing the work and you'll feel unappreciated for it, you know? We had a, a dinner uh, at North Broad Street in Albertville where I was preaching for five years, and I told the, we had just a lot of things going on, and elders were really discouraged. And I told our deacons, I said, we need to have a dinner. We need to have a special dinner here. We do it on Sunday night after church. I want a cake. I want a plaque with all the elders' on, names on it. And I said, I want to honor our past and present eldership. And I went around, uh, the elders didn't know for a while what we were doing, but I went around and asked members that had been there for 50 years, can you remember all the men that served in the eldership? And we came up with about 20, 22 names of men that had served. And on that Sunday night, we had planned the fellowship meal, just like we normally did. But when we got ready to go over there, I had, I had preempted the elders that we wanted to honor them. I didn't tell them what all it would be entail. But we got the men over there, sat them down and their wives, and we had a microphone. We talked, I did, I gave a speech about how much we loved our elders and how much they served. And there were widows in the church where their husbands were on the plaque we put it up. We didn't put it in the auditorium, but we put it in the foyer of all the men that had served in the eldership. And I wanted them to know that the Bible tells us to give honor where honor is due. And three times in Hebrews 13, it says, honor your elders, respect your elders. 
And so I said, as a church, we need to remember all the men that have laid down their lives literally for us. They've given up time. They've given up energy. They have sacrificed things that they would have done, loved to do. We had an elder one time at church. He, he loved to play golf. And he said, I hadn't played much golf since I became an elder. Had meetings all the time and visits that had need to be made. But we, we don't realize the sacrifice. We had a big cake uh, with a big sheep on it. You know, <laughs> thank you for being our shepherds. And we honored them because it's important that those that are in leadership are given encouragement. It's easy to criticize. It's easy for me to play armchair quarterback. You know, the, the Dallas is playing tonight. Cowboys are playing tonight. Don't tell me a score. I'm not going to know until the end of the game. They were down by four touchdowns when we started service this, the, tonight. Sometimes, if it's bad news, I don't want to hear about it, right? I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to deal with it. But we need to be men that praise our leaders, because there is so much that needs to be done, and we're not volunteering, right? So we need to get behind our shepherds. And that means also, with the deacons, too, that serve in ministry, they may not always do it like we like. The guy who's over education ministry may decide he wants to change up some of the classroom groupings, may take uh, the junior high class and put them with the high school or move them back to an individual classroom. And you as a parent are going, well, I don't like that they did that. Well, you're not in charge, that person has prayed over it, thought about it, done the research, talked to the kids, talked to the parents. There may be a few that abstain, so they don't like it. But when they're in that role, you support them. Same thing with the transportation or any kind of ministry is we have to get behind them and say, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Roger and I were just talking about this tonight, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to single him out. Uh, he texts me all the time, texted me today, and he constantly encourages me, constantly. And, and I, I love that about him. I love that about him. And he's been that way for as long as I've ever known him. Is if there's a good sermon, he'll come up and he'll tell me it's a good sermon. Do you know why Roger does that? Do you know what his dad did when he was growing up? His dad was a preacher and an elder of the church. And so he has an appreciation for men that are willing to serve. And I love that. I love that. Now, I'm not saying not everybody encouraged me, but I'm saying this is somebody who knows how to encourage because he's been there. He's watched the sacrifices his family had to make and he had to make for time that he could have spent with his father. And so that's what we need to do. Constantly praise, encourage, and get behind him. All right, anything else about deacons? All right, let's talk about the preacher for a minute. Oh, is time up? That's our time. Okay. Yeah, I may get a lot of texts tonight. Um, Billy's going to teach next week, and, and, and the week after that, we'll talk more about the teaching roles. I'm going to talk about being a leader as a teacher, uh, being able to get up before a congregation or get up before a small class. We need teachers badly. Uh, and we're also going to talk about preaching, and preaching starts with reading Scripture. And I want to encourage all of you, all of you, to read scripture out loud. To, I know we use our young men a lot on the table, um, but we would love to have every person. I'd love to see every man in this church read a scripture. I'd love to see every man in this church lead a prayer if you're willing to do that. Um, anything that you could do, I'd love to see every man. I think your family needs to see you serving in some capacity. If you've got small children, they need to see you on the table. Even if you're on the wall, okay, you, you, they need to see you up. They need to see that you say, even though I may be a little uncomfortable, it may put me outside of my comfort zone, I am going to serve. I want to serve. Now, some by their health may not be able to do that, 
and may have some uh, other reasons why they're not able to. But if you can, find a way to serve. We got ushers and greeters. We got doors on the sides. We only have greeters right there, back there right now. We'd love to have, I, Terry, how many could we use? We could use at least six minimum. So if there are men who are willing to serve and your wife is willing to help you in being a greeter, uh, get with Terry, get with Becky. We'd love to have your help. There's three doors here and one back there, but we can't get them all just in the back foyer. So I'll, I'll end with this tonight. I'm proud of you. I love you. We are working together. We are not going to give up and we're not going to quit. And we got a lot of work to do. And I'm going to lead in front. Our elders are going to lead in front. Our deacons are going to lead in front. But every one of us need to be saying to ourselves, how can I do better in the role of leadership in my home, in the church? And I promise you, we will get through this together. We will work together. It, it's not always going to be easy. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to be tough. But we're going to, we're going to commit to this. And I'm committed to it as we're going to lead and we're going to give it our very best. And we're going to try our hardest to lead this congregation and eventually hopefully get out into the community and be a leader out in the community too. But we owe it to God. We owe it to our families. We owe it to ourselves to give it our very best. But I love you and I appreciate you. And I hope every one of you will be back again next Sunday night and, uh, and continue to be with us on Sunday nights. And encourage your wives to keep coming and learning how to be good Christian women. All right. Let's the mighty men. That's who we need to be. I'm going to ask Billy to lead us in prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Precious God, we thank you for the day, for the time that we've had to come together to worship today and to study your word together tonight. We thank you for the message that we've heard. Help us, Father, to grow from it. We pray, Father, for those who may be thinking about trying to become elders in the future, they will look at these qualities and apply them to themselves and help us, Father, to, to realize that we're not perfect people. Help us to strive to do your will with excellence, Father. Bless us through the night. Bless us through this week. Bring us back Wednesday night, God, where we'll be studying your word again together. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. Be sure to like and follow and subscribe to our social media pages. You can find channels and links on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok pages. Check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. Also, if you'd like to contribute to the show, if you want to send some prayer requests or suggestions about upcoming content, please email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Hope you have a wonderful day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.